Hey guys, welcome to Behind the Brave. I am your host, Heidi Brower. As someone who nearly lost my life 10 years ago, I knew that I had a larger purpose. I vowed to myself that I would live more fully, more bravely, and do things that scared me. Starting a podcast was one of those things. But now that I have told my story, I get to tell the story of other incredible, brave people who have inspired me, and I know that they will inspire you. Before I tell you about our amazing guest today, I want to tell you about this new company that we started to get uh, for our family. It is called Imperfect Foods, and this is discounted produce and other items that are really still high quality. They just aren't pretty enough to be put on the shelves in the store. So I have $10 off for you if you go to the link that I put in the you know, in the profile of this podcast, and you will be able to get $10 off your first box. So go check them out. They get delivered to us weekly. You can choose weekly, twice a month, once a month, whatever you want. You get to pick your stuff, really high quality produce and other foods at a really great price. So go ahead and go check them out. On today's episode, you're going to hear about a woman who turned her addiction into sobriety and her mission to help other women along the way. Her story is inspiring and full of bravery and beauty. So let's meet Katrina. All right, guys, I have Katrina Lally here with us today. I am so excited for her to be here with us and for me to, for us to just chat and have her tell her story. I was a the very first podcast that I was interviewed for was on her podcast. And I'll tell you a little bit about that later, but it was such a fun experience. And she's actually one of the people that it helped me get started in this podcast. And so I am so honored that she's here with us today that she's willing to tell her story and, and her bravery. And so I am just so excited. Thanks for being here, Katrina. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm excited for your podcast and I remember when you, I saw you post about it, I was like, yes, it's so exciting because I know you have a powerful story to share as well. So thank you. So I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm going to start this thing where I'm going to ask everybody that I interview, uh, what is the scariest thing you've ever done? Jump out of an airplane. And I think you are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, like I had talked about doing it for a really long time and my husband took me on our ninth anniversary and surprised me. He didn't tell me where we were going, though, and I've always thought I wanted to do it, and he waited till like, 20 minutes before we got there to tell me, because he knew that if he told me when we were still at home or the day before, like, I would totally chicken out, and he was so right, but I'm glad that I didn't, and I'm glad that he waited to tell me, because I don't know I would have done it, but as soon as I did it and got on the ground, I'm like, let's go again. See, I hear that. People say that all the time, that they would do it again and again, and I'm like, if my husband surprised that with me for anniversary, I would surprise him the next day with papers, because (laughs) that is not okay. No, I'm I'm just kidding. I'm glad. I'm so glad that that is some people's on their list of bravery things to do, because it's not on mine, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, and I, I pull up that video every no, once in a while when I'm feeling not so brave. And I'm like, if you can friggin' jump out of a plane, you can do anything. So I'll let you be that your, <laughs> that be your thing. <laughs> All right. Well, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, married, been married to my husband for 12 years and we have four kids between us. Uh, I have a 14 year old stepdaughter who, uh, oh my gosh, she's going to be 15 in a couple months her and then we have twins boy girl twins that are just turned 12 and then I have a little two-year-old uh, little guy at home as well 
and our dog Juniper, our, our little Labradoodle. Um, and um, I am a life clarity coach, uh, also a podcast host, and I just love helping sober moms. I love helping women. I just, I believe in magic, and I don't say that all the time because I think in this day and age, people are like, what in the world? And I'm like, no, come on. Let's, let's, what happened to dreaming and all the things? I agree with so, you. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have that in common. We are big uh, personal development people who find that magic and know that it can happen. And so I love that you help other people and that you have wanted that to be your life mission to help other people. So what made you come to that realization that that's what you wanted to do? Well, there is a moment uh, that I had that I remember specifically where I said, I want to do this. And I had been sober. So I've been sober for 10 and a half years. And I'd been sober for a couple of years, about three years in where I was finally going, okay, there's something more. Like, I'm sober. I've done some work. That's all fantastic. But there's still this hole that I'm missing. There's something not quite... I knew there was more work to be done, and I ended up in a uh, personal development seminar room with a, with a particular company, and they have different classes you can take, courses, you climb the ladder in there, and this was at the second course um, that I was in, and I remember after having one day where there was just a breakthrough, and I walked up to the facilitators, and I was like, I want to do this. This yeah. is what I want to do. I want to help change people's lives. Um, and it didn't, it took some time after that for me to actually get to this place now, but I just knew then, and I've always known since I was little that I had a bigger mission. Yeah. I, I love that. I think that those moments in our lives where we have that clarity hit us, where it's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Then it's almost like, okay, now what? Yeah. Right. So, and we can get to that a little bit later, but you said that you've been sober for 10 and a half years. Will you take us back to that time and what basically just tell us your story of getting to sobriety and what that meant. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually didn't, um, I didn't really start doing anything quote unquote bad until I was about 19 years old and I was dating, uh, somebody at that time and he had turned gotten into pot and I was a really good girl. I, I followed all the rules. Um, I got good grades. I didn't really start skipping school till my senior year of high school and I did all of the things. So that was actually my first drug of choice. It, and it's really because it's who I hung out with. You know, I was like a chameleon. Yeah. And I conformed to who, whatever group I was hanging out with because I, I didn't know who I was. And I was a little bit afraid to showcase who I really was. Right. And um, also, I, I started with that. I mean, I got drunk and I drank and things like that too. But I didn't really... It was after I turned 21 when it full-blown, like, hit um, because I was legal, then I could right. go get it myself and it was easier to access. And it just made sense in my mind. And, um, it was a lot of fun for a really long time. Um, you know, and I thought it was what you did, especially for me, it was about fitting in. Like, this is what we do. You know, I didn't go off to college. I ended up dropping out of a community college here locally. And I just was like, this is how I fit in. This is the life. This is what we do. And trying to find my, my place in the world and, uh, left that relationship I'd actually never not been in a relationship since the age of like 15. So oh, wow. that was also, you know, one of those addictions. Um, I'm going to find the person that's going to make me better and f- make me feel better. But um, I ended up dating somebody else kind of in between. We, him and I weren't dating, but we were still together. It was really weird. Um, 
And I think we've all had some yeah, one of those. You know, you know, it's just comfortable. You know, you just used to hanging out with that person. So why not? Yeah. And I, I ended up, um, a friend of mine put me on Match.com where I met my husband. And she's like, don't be mad, but I put you on Match.com. And there's this really cute guy who's like tr- talking to you, winking at you, whatever you do on Match. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So we, him and I started talking and then we um, went out on a date and I mean, come to find out part of the story is like our families knew, knew each other really well. They went to school together. Oh, like wow. my dad and his aunt had a crush on each other or something. Yeah. So it was a really small world, but I had no idea who he was and until we started dating and, you know, um, looking back now, I can see like where the addictive behavior was okay. already started. Yeah. Um, and I, I had that personality. I just had that. But um, we'd only drink on the weekends. We'd go out every weekend um, and party. And then it would get to the point where I was um, missing work and uh, calling into work. And then, you know, our relationship moved really fast. Uh, we started dating. I moved in a couple months later. A few months later, he had proposed. And in this, too, I was also dealing with um, he, had a, he had a daughter who was really young and um, there was a mom, her mom was not very happy or about our situation. Right. And so, um, but I was using, so I would drink to cope and to deal with that. And um, eventually I got to a point where I put an alarm on my phone that would say, don't drink baby. Mm. And I told my then boyfriend, now husband that like, that oh that's your that's you telling me not to drink to like help encourage me not to drink when in my mind it was actually don't drink so you can have a baby okay because I thought having a baby would fix me you yeah. know I thought just like I thought getting married would fix me like that everything would be made better and that wasn't the case um and I had tried you know I I knew my drinking was a problem I'd I'd, I'd been arrested a couple of times um, gotten in trouble with the law a couple times around it and I just couldn't not drink and it got to the point where we so we got engaged and then that next year we were going to get married and he and uh, our best people at the time had a mini intervention on me and asked me not to drink for 30 days well I couldn't do that and so we ended up pausing the wedding putting it on hold um and uh, I had a, invitations were out, all the things. And so I had to send out, uh, due to personal reasons, we're not getting married now. Oh, man, that had to be so hard. It was so hard. I'm so grateful he did that now. I, at the time, it was just devastating. Like, yeah. there's something completely wrong with me. Nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. It fed into that low bottom, worthless c- kind of feeling that you have. Um, and I didn't. I didn't really stop drinking. I I had tried to stop drinking several times. Um, It was after that even I got in trouble with the law again. And I eventually ended up getting pregnant. The next year I got pregnant. And I still didn't stop drinking. Um, I slowed down a lot. uh, But I still drank throughout my pregnancy. I justified it that it was red wine, so it's okay. The whole bottle, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Was that that hard for you to realize that you told yourself that it would be fixed when you had a baby or when you were pregnant. And then was that hard realization for you to know that that wasn't the case? I don't think I really even gave it too much thought. Like, um, I just like, when I, when I found out I was pregnant and 
I have these weird flashbacks about when I actually found out I was pregnant and then when when I finally like took the test again and it really came to realize that was true mm-hmm. and told my husband but I don't think I get I was like oh this is this is great and also at the same time like holy cow we're not even married what's gonna happen I did think I might be different I did think okay maybe this is my answer but I didn't give it a whole lot of thought yeah and I started you know just to justify like oh it's okay and for me when I was pregnant I don't really remember even like when I would drink a glass of wine or a bottle of wine even really noticing like feeling any different like it actually affecting me yeah and thank God my kids turned out fine. My twins turned out fine. They're they're thriving and healthy and happy, and there's nothing residual happening from that. Um, but I didn't stop. And, I mean, even the night that they were born, so they were born on December 30th, and I was in the hospital December 31st. And even then, I'm like, yeah, told my husband to go get some champagne because we got to celebrate the New Year right. the right way. And so we had little bottles of champagne in the freaking hospital. You know, I just had had babies right and he snuck them in and um you know just I kind of forgot about that until now and I was just like that's so crazy to think about yeah um and I you know even while I breastfed I, I drank um I did a lot of pump and dumping a lot of pump and dumping um but it wasn't until they were 18 months old and it wasn't like anything huge or traumatic that happened necessarily it was just finally getting to a point of having an, enough um, my mother-in-law actually took me, ended up taking me to a women's meeting. My husband and I were fighting over a bottle of vodka I had hid down the front of my pants. And she came and intervened and said, well, let's go get a burger. Well, she didn't take me to get a burger. She <laughs> took me to a freaking women's meeting. Was this like a women's AA meeting? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, uh, dropped me off, took me there. She actually went in with me. She, she knew some people there and I didn't stop drinking right away, but I connected with, um, some women there and I ended up in treatment not too long after that. And so I ended up going away to treatment um, for 28 days. And I was on fire from there. Like, I needed to go away. I needed to be taken out of the situation I was in. And um, that's where I discovered, like, there wasn't anything wrong with me. I wasn't unfixable or broken in a way that... And that's where I, like, really found there was hope that I could do life differently. Yeah, that's beautiful. So was it hard for you to come back home? Were you afraid to come back home into the same situation that you were just in 28 days before yeah I was definitely nervous to come home um and there's honestly there's no way to really prepare yourself I don't think when you come home in that way because you are different but everybody else is the same I even tell this of clients of mine who go through a transformational experience like a weekend away where you go and you're immersed and you come home different there, there, you just have to be gentle and graceful on yourself and the people around you. And I had a good support system by the time I got home. I had already had a sponsor. I had women around me. Um, and I, I set myself up to go to meetings and really well. But I was in a situation I didn't like. We lived with my father-in-law, who at the time was driving me, me nuts and crazy. And, you know, I discovered I was living this life that and I didn't really realize it until later and wording it this way or seeing it this way. But I I had this life that I had created that I actually, I didn't really even want necessarily. Because all the decisions I made were based upon when I was under the influence of something. Yeah. Were these things that I eventually wanted? Probably, maybe, yeah. Yeah. But 
I had created this life and now I'm like this whole different person. And it's like, crap, now I got to put up with what my evil twins, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, this is the life that I have. Now what do I do with it? Yeah. Kind of thing. So how, how did you deal with it? How did you find ways to cope that wasn't through substance? Uh, definitely meetings. Um, I, a lot of meetings using my sponsor, um, getting in, uh, to the work, doing the recovery work. Uh, we, we did eventually move too. Um, and that was a big push on me was moving and we moved and I was still the same person. Um, I mean, after a year sober, my husband and I separated for a short period of time, Mm -hmm. but, um, it really was like just asking for help and leaning on the people around me. And, you know, I started to just take better care of my health in general. Um, and I had twins at home, so they kept me busy. So just yeah. I, I doing imagine all the things. They, yeah. <laughs> they would keep you busy. Yeah. So I asked, you know, if it was a, if you were afraid to come home to the same situation, even though you were different. Mm-hmm. When you went into the, like, was it rehab? Like yeah. a rehab facility? Yep. Were you afraid of finding out who you were without the alcohol? I imagine that there was a piece of me. I don't think that I would have identified it that way. Right. Um, I definitely, yes, there was fear around how do I, how do I do my life without alcohol? Like, how do I do anything without alcohol? Because I drank for every reason. If the sun was out, if it was raining, if somebody pissed me off, if somebody, if I was excited over something, like I drink around all of the things. And my deepest fear was what if people didn't love me? What if they would just leave me? Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. Yeah. That's a, that's a hard, hard thing. Were there times that you relapsed or have you been sober since that point? I've been one of the fortunate ones who have not had to relapse. I've not relapsed. Yeah. And I've never, the, the craving for alcohol left me. Um, I had what they call, uh, the burning bush moment in, in, uh, treatment in rehab. And that's when I just knew like God had my back and, that craving left me right away. That's not the case for everybody necessarily. So, um, thank God, uh, relapse is not a part of my story. I've never really, there's only once or twice where I've considered alcohol. Okay. Maybe two or three times, um, (laughs) where I've actually considered turning to alcohol. And a couple of those are just like, because I was so angry at like my husband and I'm going to drink at you. So, Um, like in spite of you. Yeah. In spite of you. But I've never like been at the, at the liquor store or anything like that, but it's just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful. It's not, I haven't had to go down that path because I, I, I sit here today in front of you knowing like, it feels like yesterday that I stopped drinking the, the disgust, the, the despair, Mm -hmm. that feeling is so right there. I, I just, I don't want to ever go back there. Yeah. So how do you cope when you have moments where you're pissed off, when you're angry, when you're sad, when you're whatever, what, how do you cope? Because I know there are people who maybe they want to stop drinking, but they don't know what does that look like for me in terms of coping? Yeah, it's really, um, and I'll tell you, this is one of the hardest things I've learned and it's taken me a long time to really be able to even do, even today, sometimes I still won't do it, but it's, it's talking about it. It's asking for help. As soon as you get it out of your own head and you get it um, out there in the world to God, to a friend, to, a, you know, whatever, that release, there's just some sort of beautiful release when you do that. 
And so definitely talking about it. I still attend meetings. Um, I've also done a lot of my own personal work. I have a coach uh, myself. I've done different courses and programs. Um, this last year like was all about getting really grounded and meditating and being yes. still, which is still difficult. I'm still working on that. Yes. Um, and the better, the more that I like take care of my body, you know, um, I, I've let that go a little bit away, but that's another way, like getting out and moving my body, dancing. Yes. Um, but I don't think there's anything that quite replaces when you pick up the phone and you talk to a friend who can get it and understand or talk to a coach or somebody that right there is like, that's the magic gold nugget, I think, yes. when it comes to coping. Yeah, that's great advice. That is so great. Uh, you talked about how um, how you were able to connect with other women when you went to this very first meeting that your mother-in-law took you to. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to that or maybe bring that around to, to talking now about why it's important for you in your life right now to connect with other women and how it's brought you to do what you do now. I know that you kind of talked about getting it out there and talking about it, but you know there are a lot of people who hide in their shame and hide in this life that they either lived or are living right now. And how did you get to the point where you wanted to be brave enough to tell other people your story and help them? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me was knowing I was not alone. Um, our lie, our thoughts lie to us in telling us that we're Absolutely. alone. I have some of the craziest thoughts in the world, even still. And I learned that I'm not alone in that. It's like, oh, I'm actually quote unquote normal. Like other people think about these things too. So knowing that I'm not alone and we are conditioned to think we're supposed to do life alone. Like we're supposed to just buck up. We're supposed to yep. be like Wonder Woman and do all this thing. And that's BS. Like it's total yep. BS. Amen. The community, <laughs> the um, knowing that I'm not alone. And so I want other women to know that they're not alone. And life is so much better together. It's so much more fun. And we were not designed to do this alone. We were designed to be in community yep. and to be you know, it takes a village. It just all being together. And so that's what I want for women. You know, I've gotten to talk a lot about to the women that um, recently I've been getting on calls with some potential clients and like one of their number one things is like community, community. And so it excites me knowing like, oh my gosh, I get to cultivate and help these women know, like being together, doing life together. Like that, watching somebody's light turn on yes. is like the coolest thing ever. Yes. The coolest thing ever. Yeah. So at first, was it hard for you to put your story out there so publicly? Or has that just always been a part of who you are to be able to share things that that are private? That a lot of people, like I said, keep hidden. You know, what made you, besides the connectivity, like how did you get to the point where you wanted to share your story with others? Yeah, I have always been one to share my story. Um, even when I was drinking, I didn't do it in the best way, but I wanted everybody, I would tell you about my daddy issues. I would tell okay. you about being abandoned. Like, if you had my life, you would know. And I would spew it out to people during that time. And for me, I don't know. For some reason, even when I got sober, I just, I've loved talking. Like, I share, like, my, my own podcast was 30 years in the making because when I was younger, I got one of those recorders as a kid, and I would go around and interview people, and I would talk to family. (laughs) And so I think it's always been in my nature. Um, There's still always been that fear, like holding one arm out, but come closer, 
on one arm out, come closer, hold on that wait, you know, having that gauge. But I was even asked, oh God, how many, I was only like three months sober and I was asked to go speak at this recovery camp out thing. And mm. I would, it was at a school gym. So I'm up on the stage and yeah. then there's the stands. All these people. All, yeah, all these people. And I was like, you want me? I'm three months sober. You guys know that, right? Like, I don't know very much. Yeah. But, and people have always told me, like, I'm just, they just, when I share my story, they just get so drawn into it. And so, yeah. of course, that helps feed the, yeah, okay, I can right. do this. <laughs> right. But I've, I've been asked to share my story so many times. Um, I love doing it. I just love doing it. It, you know, it just, it reminds me of where I'm at. And it also reminds me of like the beautiful magic that has been created. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's beautiful. Do you ever have those, you know, those seeds of doubt come in that says, you know, well, nobody cares or nobody wants to hear that or, or I can't help people. Or do you just have somewhere deep down in you that is able to put those fears aside? Uh, those thoughts still come up almost on the regular, depending. <laughs> they come up more often when I'm not very spiritually fit, when I'm not getting grounded, mm-hmm. when I'm not taking care of myself, when I'm spending more time scrolling social media, comparing myself to other women who are doing the kinds of things I want to do. Yeah. Um, and then I'm reminded, you know, when I get on a call with a client or I talk to somebody like, I actually know what I'm doing and I actually know what I'm talking about. Like, yes. one of the things that's been easy for me to forget all the work that I've done and, like, put myself at the bottom of the ladder. And it's like, no, you forget about the 10 years of work. Like, you've been doing this thing. Yes, and for sure. you help women. Yes. So, um, it's about spending less time on social media, quite honestly, <laughs> and more time about taking care of me. Yes. When you take care of you, y- you get out of that space. Yes. But you know what I do love? I love... Katrina's social media. I love her, uh, like her stories. I love, you said that you love to dance. Yes. She, you guys, she dances <laughs> on her stories. She is real as real can be. And it is infectious. And I think that the world needs to see more women being real and vulnerable and brave at showing who they really are. There are times when you don't have makeup on and whatever, you don't care. And I think that that is so beautiful because it is empowering other women to say, this is me, this is who I am, and today I'm having a crappy day, but today I'm having an awesome day, and I'm going to dance around, and I love it, and I just, I thank you for being a real person on social media, because that is so important, and, you know, I think that 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 in itself takes bravery, to be able to share who you really are, because social media can be this, like, veil of perfection, right? Yeah. So, have you always been that way of this is who I am? Or is that something that you have worked towards to to accept you for you? Yeah, it's something I've worked towards. It's something I've absolutely worked towards. And it's taken practice. Like I shared today, and I want to say thank you for sharing that with me. To me, that's such a high compliment coming from you. So I appreciate that. And like, it takes practice. Like I talked even today on my stories about how I used to hide from people that I didn't know and strangers like coming to do this with you. There's no way I would have done that a few years ago. You know, I couldn't even get out of bed a few years ago in sobriety. I couldn't get out of bed because of panic and anxiety and like all the things. And it wasn't until I went in and did the real deep inner work, like found out what was truly blocking me Mm -hmm. and building that confidence. 
And now I do it, um, sometimes I do it just to like dare myself. Like, yes. okay, let's do this. I want to see you do this because I'm not, I like look in the mirror and I, I don't always love my body every day. I don't like the way I look necessarily all the time, but I'm doing it because it's what brings me joy. And I know that somebody out there needs to see it. Yes. I know that they need to, to see that it's okay. No matter where you're at, no yes. matter who you are, just as you are, you are loved. Absolutely. Yes. That is such a good reminder that when we do see people on social media or even in podcasts where we're telling our stories Mm -hmm. that, like you said, it has taken years for us to get to this point that we are able to, because I've even had people who say to me, how do you just share your story without crying through every single word? Mm -hmm. Or how do you, and I, I've had 19 years of practice, Yeah, you know, it's, But I've had a lot of, like you said, a lot of work that's had to be done within me to love me for who I am. So I want you to talk to the people who may be struggling with their sobriety right now, or maybe in the really deep part, and they just don't know who they are without alcohol or without drugs. What do you say to that person who feels hopeless that is maybe you 10 and a half years ago? What what do you say to that person? Because you've done the work and they might look at you and be like, there's, I can't get there. 10 and a half years from now seems so far away. What is your advice to them? Yeah. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't have to take you 10 and a half years. Um, it definitely doesn't have to take you 10 and a half years, but I'm, um, I know very little about the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram four and I take my sweet time because nobody's going to tell me what to do or how to do it. (laughs) But, um, and I'm going to do it in my time. But the thing is, if you're feeling, if you're in that space where, you're feeling hopeless and you're feeling like you're looking around going, okay, what do I do now? Like, I'm not happy, you know, whatever. How do I change it? It's time to show up a little bigger. The only way you will lose is if you stop showing up. But it's time to show up a little bigger. So more than likely, you got to find something to invest in, like hiring a coach, finding a program, a group coaching program, a personal development company, something that is going to, where you have a little bit of skin in the game, where it will help force you to show up. Yes. Because had I not started doing that, you know, even three years ago, who knows, or not three years ago, but when I was three years sober, like, who knows what would have happened? Like, right. I, w- I would not have showed up the way that I did had I not put a little skin in the game. Had I not been willing to be like, okay, I don't know what it is I need. I just know I need something else. Can you help me? Yes. So go find the person that is doing what you want to do and raise your hand and say, can you help me? Yes. Or I, you- I think that's the biggest start, right? That's, yes. You, people have to start. You have to yeah. push, start, go, whatever. And they, I have even had that, even with just starting a podcast, somebody just said, you just have to start recording. Yes. You just have to ask for help. Yeah. You just have to step foot in a gym or whatever it is. And a lot of times just asking or starting or doing is the hardest part. And then once we get there, we are able to, you know, have that accountability or have somebody to help us. Because if if people out there are anything like me, I am my worst, like I don't trust myself. Meaning if I tell myself, oh, I'm gonna run outside a mile for five days straight, but I didn't tell anybody, Do you Mm -hmm. think I'm going to be out there running? No, because it's going to (laughs) be rainy and cold. And all of a sudden, I'm not going to want to. But if I had somebody else know, hey, that's important to you to run or to not drink or to not whatever, then they're the ones that are going to check in on you and help you get through that. Yeah. And that's 
That is great advice. Is there anything else that you have? Yeah, by telling somebody else, we'll, we're more willing to show up for somebody else than we are for ourselves. That is the truth. And so by telling somebody else who is willing to help hold you accountable, not just anybody, you got to find that person who's actually willing. That's why I say invest, because if that person, you're paying that person, they're going to show up for you. <laughs> yep. You know, I could tell my best friend, but it doesn't really, I could justify why I'm not going to show up for her. But if I know I have a little money put in somewhere, you know, and that's, I'm just, that's just how it's worked for me. Um, but we are, we're more willing to show up because I don't want to look bad to you. I don't yeah. want to look bad to you. Right. I, I want you to think highly of me. I want you to like me. I want you to love me. Yeah. So I'm going to show up for you. And that's okay. Because even in sobriety, when I couldn't show up for myself, I'd show up for my kids. Yeah. You know? Um, and then do you find that eventually when you're showing up for somebody else, you realize that you're also showing up for yourself? Yes. Yeah. And now, now I've come to the point, I do things to make myself proud. Yeah. And people, I, people say, that's selfish. No, if you were having the thought that that's selfish, you're not selfish. Right. Like, selfish people don't think about that. No, it's powerful. Yes. It's powerful to know that you've made yourself proud. Yep. It's powerful to know that you've finished something that you've worked hard towards. Yeah. I agree with you. There's nothing selfish about that. And I think that that's where the, the self-development or the learning, the difference between that. Yeah. Is. And when you get in and do the inner work, you're going to realize you, the, there's a little girl in, or a little got boy inside of you that's actually looking for you to show up for that. Yeah. It's so true. Mm -hmm. That's powerful stuff. Yeah. So where do you, tell us about your podcast and why you started your podcast and what it, what it means to you and in, in your work. Yeah. So uh, the Just As We Are podcast, um, like I shared a few minutes ago, like it was, it's been years in the making. And I think they're so much power in just our stories you know like I said earlier when we share and we talk like it just there's there's magic and there's beauty that happens and so there's there's value in everybody's story and um that's why I started it I wanted a, a space at the time for women to share their stories because we're loved just as we are we're whole just as we are and we think yes. that there's something wrong with us and there isn't and so um that's you can uh, I just love the women that came on and shared their stories on that, on the podcast. So it's just as we are with Katrina Lelly. You can find it pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah. And actually, if you if you can't find it, like literally just you could type in my name and I will show up on her podcast and then that will show all of her other episodes, which they are powerful. And actually, I I talked about this, I think a little bit in my first podcast. I talked about how last year... I don't even remember when it was. A year and a half ago? It was about last, it was last year. I gotta tell you, 2020s kind of run together. <laughs> I know. It was 2019. 2019. That's when I launched. Yeah. Because I remember I was thinking about this idea of doing a podcast, and then we have a mutual friend, and she was like, hey, because I think I put it out there and said that I would be willing to speak at events or whatever. Yeah. Like, I love telling my story. And so she was like, hey, you should be interviewed by my friend. And I was. she just started her podcast. I'm like, tell me about her podcast. She started saying... She wants to tell people like real life stories. And I was like, well, that was kind of, uh, I was thinking about that. <laughs> but this, the, the doubt started pouring in of like, mm -hmm. well, Katrina's already doing that. I can't do that. Yeah. You know, and then it was like, so I'm going to put it off. And I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And then finally, I, I don't know what hit me, but finally I was like, why can't I tell stories too? Of course I can't. But it's that doubt that we as women create yeah. within ourselves. Yeah. When, and then I put it out there and then everybody's like, well, why don't you start a podcast? And I was like. Why not? And it, what I love about Katrina is through this whole time that I've been trying to do this, I reached out to her and she's like, you do this and this and this and this and this. <laughs> you guys, she is a woman who wants to help support and uplift other women. And that is what this world needs right now. 
And I am just so thankful for her. I'm thankful for your bravery, for showing up today and for being willing to share your story with us. I know that there are other, so many other facets of your story and things that you share with other people, but I just thank you so much for being with us and for giving, just sharing that and, and inspiring other people because when we are vulnerable and open, that is when we can inspire others. Yeah, no, I, I'm just so, I, I'm just smiling and like so happy from <laughs> ear to ear because I, I love that you're doing this as well. And when that self-doubt creeps in, it's like, you have a voice that I don't have. You have a way of sharing things and getting into people that I don't have. And like, that's what I have to remind myself too. You know, when we go out in this world and we start that comparison, like, we got to remember, we don't resonate with everybody. Like right. we all have our different people. Like I've heard so many lessons, the same lesson from so many different people. And it didn't hit until this one person over here said it. It's you know? so true. It's so funny. And so I I just think it's so awesome that you're doing this. And I'm just grateful that you're, you. you're letting me come on and share my story. So. Well, I love that. I just want, that's why I want to bring everybody else in. Because I don't have a story of sobriety. Right. My story yeah. is different than your story. Yep. And so that's why I wanted to share different people's story of bravery, because I think that we all have this bravery within us and whether or not you know it yet, it's in there. Mm -hmm. And once it comes out, sometimes it takes a long time for us to realize when we found that or what made us want to change. Yeah. And those, those are the stories I wanted to tell. So thank you for having such a powerful story and for wanting to help change the lives of others. Cause that's what really all of these things that we go through, that's what it's about. Yeah. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you. Do you have a story to tell? Get a hold of me on Instagram at behind.the.brave. And you can also email me at behindthebrave@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Let's find our bravery together.